You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I want you to know I prayed for all of you this morning by name. I love you so very much. I care for you, and it's my honor to be your pastor. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, new people in our church, and guests, I don't, I don't like calling people guests. I want you to feel welcome, but thank you for being here. And uh, I truly hope we can be a blessing to you. You're just a blessing to us being, being here. So thank you so much. Uh, we've all heard the phrase, it was all downhill from there. We use that phrase to describe a domino effect. We use the phrase to describe a turning point when things switched from good to bad and then quickly went to worse. I've heard it used to describe a game before. Uh, I remember in high school we were playing against Faith Belleville, the Faith Belleville Knights against the North Baptist, Northwest Baptist Academy Eagles. And it was a semifinals game and they were a much better team than we were. But we fought hard, very hard. And we, we, if we were honest, we knew even if we got into the championship, there was no way we were going to beat the championship team. But we really fought hard to stick with Faith Belleville. And it came down to the fourth quarter. There were less than 10 seconds left, tied, and we had the ball. We called a timeout. We had this play all drawn up. And I was supposed to get the ball first and then pass it to another, uh, another person in my team, uh, Chris. And then Chris was supposed to pass it to Josh. And then when Josh got it, I was supposed to cut to the rim. And it, it was either going to stick with Josh or it was going to come to me or something like that. Well, we had it all planned out. And John was on the side and he was going to pass it in. And as soon as he slapped the ball, you would slap the ball and you knew that the play was going to start. So he slapped the ball. And Josh realized, he was our center, he realized nobody was covering him. He ran straight to the hoop. It was blown coverage by Faith Belleville. He went straight to the hoop. John saw it, passed it to him. He had an open path to the hoop. Six seconds left, five seconds left. He goes up, misses the layup, wide open, as the time goes out. And may I say, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> our morale was so low. I, remember, I fell on the ground. I couldn't believe it. He was one of our best players. He, I mean, he was a center. That's where he lived, underneath the hoop, just, just off the glass and in, off the glass and in. And I still can picture it going out. We lost in overtime by a lot. Now, don't feel too sad. We played Faith Belleville the next year and beat them 56 to 12. So we got better. But we still lost that game. I've heard it used to describe a day. Some of you have used this phrase to describe your day. You know, I hit traffic on the way to work, and I was late, and it was all downhill from there. Or I went to a meeting, and I wasn't prepared, and it was all downhill from there. I've heard students. I failed my test, and it was all downhill from there. I've heard many of you. I ate Taco Bell for lunch, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> The moment Taco Bell started serving breakfast, I knew America was in trouble. <laughs> if people are giving up on their day that early. Goodness. I've heard it used to describe life in general. I'm turning 30 this year. 
That's ancient. It will be all downhill from there. Don't argue with the preacher. It'll be all downhill from there. <laughs> this phrase is used to describe a worsening trend, right? It's, it's used to describe how one year, or one day, one hour, one decision even, how even one decision can switch things and bring a flow of decline that's really difficult to fight against. Now, although this exact phrase isn't used, the idea of the phrase is found in the verse that we just read. Psalm 1-1 shows us what I am going to call the slippery, wow, stop, the slippery slope of sin. The slippery slope of sin. Say that ten times fast. There is a mistake that all of us can make. There is a sin that all of us can perform that place us on a slippery slope. And before we know it, it is all downhill from there. I have a question for you. Well, let's go ahead and pray first. Lord, I ask that you would please be with us during this short period of time. If there is anyone here who does not know you as Savior, would you please save them, Lord? Convict them of their sin as you did with me as a young boy. Show them that their sin is taking them to hell and they cannot pay for it on their own. Lord, they will spend eternity in hell unless they turn to you. Father, if there are Christians here, yes, even Christians, who have found themselves on the slippery slope of sin. Help us to be honest with ourselves and to turn back to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Here are my questions. The atheist that brazenly, brazenly blasphemes and mocks God, how do they get to that point? The alcoholic that beats his wife and wastes his money and neglects his children, how do they get to that point? The drug addicts that lost their jobs and steal and beg and sell their bodies so they can ease their craving, how do they get to that point? The Christian that finds himself or herself sinking in the valley of sin, how do they find themselves in that point? All I can say is they do not find themselves there overnight. If you were able to speak to them today, all of them would have one thing in common. They may give you different reasoning. They may give you different motivations for why they did what they did. But they would have one thing in common. They would all be able to look back at one point in their life and say, that's the point where it was all downhill from there. That is the point when I, find my, when I found myself on the slippery slope of sin. And the next thing I knew, here I was. I never wanted to be here, but here I am. So you're here this morning, and you have your life together. You're dressed nicely. You have a smile on your face. You have a job. You're going to school. You have a family. Your family is together. Your marriage is strong. You have a, maybe you have a ministry at the church. You're faithful in tithe. You even give to missions in the building fund. You're faithful to church. I have known many Christians who fit that description, who today are divorced, their family is broken. They no longer give. Their ministry is gone. They haven't been to church in years. In fact, they mock church. How does a Christian go from the heights of service to God to the depths of sin? How does that happen? How does any person find themselves in the depths of sin? And the answer is right here in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. So listen this morning. I may not know you very well. I may just be getting to know you. I may know you very well, I, but regardless, I know this. 
you are somewhere in this psalm. I'm going to write that in my margin. I am somewhere in Psalm 1. And specifically in Psalm 1-1. I am somewhere in that verse. In some way at this very moment in each of our lives, this verse describes us. A preacher said this, In these few words, every man, if he will be honest with himself, may see his face and read of his end. But will we be honest? Listen, I cannot help you if you're not going to be honest. God can't help you if you're not going to be honest with yourself. How can God save somebody if you don't admit you're lost? We must be honest. If somebody were to go to a doctor, what is the first thing that the doctor is going to ask that person? Give me a history. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's wrong with you so that I can help you. If you tell them you don't smoke when you do, if you tell them you're not sleeping, or, or if you tell them you're sleeping when you're not, if you tell them you can breathe when you can't, if you tell them you're taking your medication when you're not, if you tell them you're taking vitamins every day when you're not, you're not being honest with the doctor. So when the doctor comes back and says, if that's the case, this is what you should do, and then you don't get better, that's not the doctor's fault, that's yours. That's a patient problem, not a doctor problem. And when we have Christians sitting in a pew, I just don't know why I'm not getting better. It's, it's not a God problem. It's not a Bible problem. It's a patient problem. Because God's word is a mirror and it's clear. There's a speck on it. It's never needed. Windex never will. But many times when we look at it, we don't like what we see. So we stop looking or we justify it. I wonder, where am I in this verse? Where are you in this verse? And what will we do this morning? What will we do this morning if honesty causes us to admit we are on the slippery slope of sin? What will we do? If you say, ah, it's not that big of a deal, therein lies the deception of the slippery slope. Open your eyes to how innocently this slope begins. The slope begins, if you're taking notes, number one, the slope begins with simply walking in the counsel of the ungodly. If I were to ask, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I wish to walk in the counsel of the ungodly? Many of you who would keep your hands down at this moment are walking in the counsel of the ungodly because it happens so easily. It happens so quickly. If somebody were to come up to me and say, Johnny, I can't help but notice that you at this moment are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, I would be horrified. But notice with me, think with me how easily it happens. Let's just do some definitions here. What does the word walk entail in these verses? Walking in the counsel of the ungodly, what does it entail? It entails listening, considering, ultimately following. What does the word counsel entail in these verses? It entails guidance, advice, an opinion, a direction. What does the word ungodly entail in this verse? People who live their life with no fear of the Lord. Now stick with me. People who live their life with no fear of the Lord. Kesarasara, whatever happens, happens. People with no thought of eternity. People with no sense of duty to God. People who are just kind of unsettled in this life. Look at verse 4. The ungodly are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. 
So think about this with me. All it takes to find ourselves on the slippery slope of sin is to listen, consider, and follow the advice or the counsel of somebody who just lives their life without thinking of God. Can I be honest with you? Ungodly people are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Sometimes ungodly people are very kind. They're quite happy. They're quite generous. They're quite caring and pleasant. Your neighbor might be a very ungodly person because he's living his life or she's living his life. Yes, that neighbor that smiles at you, that neighbor who always talks to you every single day, the neighbor that every once in a while mows your lawn because it gets too long. And it's a passive-aggressive way of saying, hey, get your stuff together, right? That kind neighbor or that mailman or your aunt or your uncle that's at the, at the get-together that isn't saved and that just lives their life. Very nice people, possibly even pleasant people. But it all starts with just listening to the things that they say. And they say, they say things like, you know, my personal view of church is go when you need it and stay home when you don't. They say things like, I, I'll, I will learn how to speak today at some point. Please, just stay with me. They say things like, I go to church every once in a while, but why do I need to go to church when God is everywhere? You've heard that before. They say things like, I think all religions are fine. They have the coexist bumper sticker on the back of their Prius. We all believe in the same God, right? We just call him a different name. I have a hard time believing that a book written over 2,000 years ago still applies today. I just try to be a kind and caring person. I figure if I just give good energy into the world, it will, it will take care of me. They say things like, I would never marry somebody before I live with them for a while. You have to really get to know the person before you marry them. You know what they're saying? I want to get to know that person's body. Question, what happens when the body changes through time? The hourglass becomes a pair. And gentlemen, or ladies, you look at the gentleman, he's got broad shoulders and a skinny waist. At some point, those are going to switch places. And everything that you got to know about them suddenly changes. And you don't want anything to do with them anymore. Why don't you get to know the person's heart? Why don't you get to know the person's character? All these, all these little girls, oh, look at his body. Guy doesn't hold a job. He's got a man bun sticking out of his head. What's wrong with you? What has a man bun ever, ever raised a child? Look at his character. Look at how he treats his father. Look at how he treats his mother. That isn't my, I might, ooh. Let's move on. Or they say things like, marriage, I don't need a piece of paper to tell me I love someone. Or why would God make a plant like marijuana just to say you can't use it? Stop. That's one of the first things that God ever did. He made a plant and said, leave it alone. <laughs> Just live your life as best you can. Do everything in moderation. 
Watch out for number one. You don't need religion to live this life. Just follow your heart. They say things like, it's only a cigarette. It's only a one-night stand. Life's too short to be faithful to your spouse. It's only a beer. I could go on and on and on. And friend, the more you listen to it, the more you'll consider it. And the more you consider it, one day you're going to start walking in that direction. You know why? Because that kind of counsel appeals to us. We all have a little ungodly in us. I could go and grab my son that's not even a year old. You know what that child is fluent in? That child is fluent in ungodly. When we simply bend our ear to hear the counsel of those who just make their decision with no thought of God or his word, it starts sounding pretty good. Preacher said this, the ungodly are so open in giving their advice against religion. And it is crafted so artistically that we start finding reason to think ourselves happy if we could escape from being tainted and ensnared by such religion. That's how it all starts, just walking in the counsel of the ungodly. That's it. By listening to those people, suddenly the God that you used to see as a shepherd is now a taskmaster. The Bible that you used to see as necessary is now an option. The church you used to see as a safe haven is now a prison. The rules that you used to see as a guard are now handcuffs. The parents you used to see as for you are now against you. The prayer you used to see as a refuge is now a rabbit's foot. And instead of walking with God and following his counsel, you start walking in the counsel that's just a little bit easier to handle. But here's a question. Why in the world are we going to follow the counsel of somebody who is, who is as unstable and flighty as chaff blowing in the wind? You hear someone say, you know, my opinion of marriage is, and trust me, I know about marriage. I've been married eight times. Stop. <laughs> Why in the world would we listen to that counsel? Especially some of these, some of these self-help people and these doctors that we watch on, on the videos, they have so many problems in their life. The reason they know how to get people to get out of their problems is because they're dealing with it personally. The only problem is they won't do what they're telling other people to do. Why in the world would we listen to that? Especially when we realize when you follow the counsel of the ungodly, it's going to lead you somewhere. Now, I know that's deep. But when we follow the counsel of the ungodly, it's going to lead us somewhere. And it does not lead you uphill. It's a slippery slope downhill. Suddenly, you're standing in the way of sinners. What does the word stand entail? Companionship. Conformity. What does the word way entail? Lifestyle, ideology, philosophy, a path. What does the word sinner entail? People who live life with sin in mind. Do we see the progression? Where the word ungodly describes someone who's possibly ignorant or simple, the word sinners describe those who are in open rebellion. Ungodly describe those who were unsettled or flighty. Sinners describe those who are determined to do what is wrong. Listen to these verses from Proverbs 1. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. 
Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. You know what they're saying? We're going to have fun. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Why does this father who is writing this proverb, why does he show so much concern? Why does he sound so urgent? Why is he showing so much care? Because he knows it doesn't take much. And it doesn't take long to find yourself standing in the way of sinners. It happens so quickly. We go from simply walking in the counsel of the ungodly just following the advice and opinions of a neighbor or a coworker, or a friend or a family member or an author that doesn't believe that God is as necessary as the Bible says he is. Suddenly we're standing in conforming to the lifestyle and the philosophy of people who live in open rebellion against God and his word. And you may be able to think you can stand in that way, but you can't. It's a slippery slope. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15, enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. A wise man once said, if you want to keep out of harm, or if you want to be kept from harm, keep out of harm's way. Want to be kept from harm? Keep out, of, keep out of harm's way. I have seen sin destroy people. I've been a pastor for a year and a half. I've seen sin destroy people. People who sat in these pews. I've seen people who used to live for God and sit in church and have a ministry, take notes, and sin has devastated their life. Sin that they never thought they would be involved in. And by the way, they never do. They never think that. And they have told me with their own mouths, I never wanted to be in this place. Listen to me, that place is where the way of sinners leads if you don't want to be in that place, stop standing in the way of sinners. And if you're not going to stand in the way of sinners, don't even listen to them. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. Now here's where people, well, aren't we all sinners? Yeah, certainly we are. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are a blood-washed sinner. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You are made alive. Made alive by the Spirit of God. You have no business standing in the way of the dead. Young ladies, you listen to me. It happens so easily and it starts so small. You just start listening to that boy who doesn't care as much about God as you do, who doesn't care as much about how his decisions affect his future as your parents are teaching you that they affect your future. He just doesn't care that much. But you start listening to him. You start talking to him. Before you know it, you exchange numbers. And you exchange notes. And then you're texting at all hours of the night. And then you're planning to meet up, and you're sneaking around behind your parents' back. 
And then you do meet up. And you start touching. And then you start kissing. And now you're pregnant, and he's not answering your texts anymore. And here you are, not even 20 years old, and your life will never be the same. And you're going to come up to me, how did I get here? Just by listening to the boy. That's how it started. It was all downhill from there, just by listening to that boy who didn't care about following God and his word. And adults, we are not exempt. The vast majority of divorce filings today have the word Facebook and Instagram in there. Because some fling from your past is going to message you, hey, I just wanted to check in. Lies. Mind your business. You tell your husband right away. You tell your wife right away. Can you deal with this? He will. She will. You would not know how colorful her words could be. What in the world are we doing just listening? Oh, it's just talking. Oh, it's just a note. Oh, it's just a, You're standing on a slippery slope. Let me tell you a story. We went to, Brother Angel was just here. We went to his church in high school for a competition. And we were playing ping pong, and these, this group of girls comes up. And they start playing ping pong with us. We're playing the, I don't know. I'm Asian. I'll play ping pong whenever somebody asks me to. I don't need a reason. I don't even need a table. <laughs> so we're playing ping pong, right? And that was the day of Yahoo Chat. Okay? Now, I went home, and I told my dad, everyone else has Yahoo Chat. And he said, oh. I didn't know your name was Johnny everyone else. Your name is Johnny Che. Whose name is that? Yours? No, it's my name, which means this is my house, which means you live by my rules. And there are not going to be there's not going to be Yahoo chat in this house. Unbeknownst to me, one of those girls had a crush. She's obviously got some major eye problems and mental issues. She had a crush. Well, one of the boys from my school had a crush on her, too. He created a profile in my name and started messaging her, sending pictures back and forth. She thought that was me. They got kicked out of school. I got called in to the office. What are you doing on Yahoo Chat? Uh, I don't have one. What do you mean you don't have one? I don't have one. Okay, get out of here. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> you know how that started? You know how that started. And by the way, those two got married. She took him out of church. You know how that all started? Ping pong game. That's it. Just a message on Yahoo Chat. That's, all. That's how it all started. Just walking in the council 
of the ungodly, to standing in the way of sinners. Wrong counsel always leads to wrong companions. Being friends with the world always leads to conforming to the world, but it leads further still. Now you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. What does sitting entail in these verses? To be settled, to be comfortable. What does seat entail? Authority, unity, teaching. What does scornful entail? People who are unashamed. People who openly mock God and his word. People who go out of their way to tempt others. Well, I'll never do that, said everybody who took their first step onto the slippery slope of sin. Sin always takes you further than you want to go. It always teaches you more than you want to know. It always keeps you longer than you want to stay and costs you more than you want to pay. It's a slippery slope. From walking to standing to sitting. To the counsel, to the way, to the seat. From the ungodly to sinners to the scornful. People who used to sit right where you sat simply began to follow some ungodly counsel. It led them to sin they never thought they'd be in, and today they openly mock church, and they openly mock the Bible. I have another friend that I went to school with, and his home was devastated when it came out that his father, who was one of the main men in our church, was being unfaithful to his mother. And the father was bold enough to stay in the area. So the mother, wanting to get away from him, moved. My good friend had to move away his senior year. He was a good kid. I looked up to him. He was athletic. He, he was everything that I wanted to be. Everything I wasn't. We were good friends. He saw his father do that. He went down, moved into a house in Georgia. Next door, there's a young lady who isn't saved, doesn't go to church, and they start talking to one another. They get close to one another. He called his dad, and he said, Dad, I met somebody. She doesn't go to church. She doesn't do any of that, but she's really nice. I like her. And here's what my friend told me his dad said. Don't get her pregnant. He followed that advice. My friend has had multiple DUIs, messed up in drugs. He's finally getting his life back together, but never will be the same. He listened to that counsel. It was all downhill from there. You hear your pastor saying, stop messing around with each other before you're married. But you hear ungodly counsel saying, what's the big deal? And you listen to that instead, and it's all downhill from there. You see the Bible say, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. But you see some ungodly commercial that says, if you're going to drink, just drink responsibly. So you listen to that counsel instead, and it's all downhill from there. You see the Bible say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But you hear ungodly, an ungodly friend say, our parents are so strict, it's ridiculous. These rules are stupid. You listen to their counsel, and it's all downhill from there. You see the Bible say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But you hear an ungodly neighbor say, we're going to watch the Super Bowl tonight. 
and so you follow that counsel instead. You hear an ungodly doctor on CNN say you need to stay home, and you listen to that counsel instead, and it's all downhill from there. If you're home right now, for, if you're watching online and you're home right now for a legitimate reason, you're sick or you're at risk, that is what live stream is for. But there are some of you watching live stream right now who could be here, but you are more willing to listen to Fauci than the Father. If you are sick or you are at risk, that is what live stream is for. Live stream is a reason for those who come in who could not be here. Live stream is not a reason for those to be out who could be here. You be faithful to church. When you find reasons to stay home from church, but you'll find reasons to go to work or the store, you're on a slippery slope. I'm not your Lord, I'm not your master, nor will I ever try to be, but I am your pastor. How can I help you with two hours a week on a Sunday morning? How can I help you through a camera? It's like watching my sheep among the wolves standing behind a glass. Wrong counsel leads to wrong companions, leads to the wrong crowd. A team you don't want to be on in the end days. Look in verse 5 and 6. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Which crowd do you want to find yourself in? Which crowd do you want God to find you in? The righteous or the ungodly? If your answer is the righteous, look at verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Sin is always downhill. Righteousness and obedience to God is always uphill. Finding your counsel, finding your companions, finding your crowd in God's word is uphill. It's against our nature. Being faithful to church is a climb. Is it not? Is it not? How many of you woke up this morning and thought, no, too early? Come on, we're human. Right? How many of you, as soon as you leave, and you hear that, that's, that music from ESPN, guys, come on, Tom Brady's going to win. You know it. You know it. Come to church. Super Bowl starts at 5.30. So does prayer meeting. Be here for prayer meeting. But come on, let's be honest. As much as I can't stand sports right now, for some reason I still love it. I still love it. Men out in the field just creaming each other. Needs to happen. And none of this, I'm going to help you up. Leave them down. What in the world is going on? Being faithful is a climb. Studying your Bible is a climb. Fervent prayer is a climb. Staying pure is a climb. Dropping bad friends is a climb. Saying no to your flesh is a climb. Trusting God to make 90% last longer than 100% is a climb. It doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. Never will. Numbers don't lie, but for some reason, maybe God promised. Following godly counsel is a climb. I've seen people come up to me, Pastor, I want to talk to you about something after church. 
okay. And I can tell they pour their heart out. I say, what do you think? And I tell them, and they don't like it. <laughs> Godly counsel is a climb. Truth hurts. And it doesn't punch you in the gut. It doesn't kick you from behind. It slaps you in the face. And then the Lord says, turn the other cheek. Seeking right companions is a climb. Living a separated life is a climb. But isn't anything worth having in life worth climbing for? You know why people walk across that stage for a diploma that's going to burn with fervent heat one day, but they stand there? <sighs> right? Right? It's fine. It's fine. Education has a place. Miss Lindsay, you're going to walk across the stage one day. <sighs> oh. You're going to do the awkward politician picture. But why? Why do you walk across? Why do you have that beaming smile? You both, you're in school right now. It's going to happen to you. Why are you going to have that beaming smile? Because it took You earned it. It was difficult. Church, if you're going to stand boldly before God one day, boldly in the, in the day of judgment, it's going to be because I went uphill, not downhill. Jesus carried a cross that bore your sin uphill to Calvary. That was good. Someone write that down and remind me about that, please. So where are you in this chapter? You're either the blessed man or you are somewhere on that slippery slope of sin. Are you the blessed man? Ladies, you too. Are you the blessed man? You better guard it. You better guard it. Because when you look at that slippery slope, oh, it'll never happen to me. Let me tell you a story. There's a man named Peter. And he said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that your faith would be strong. Lord, I'll go with you unto death. What are you praying for me for? I would never do that. I will not deny thee. Suddenly he's following afar off and leads him to sitting amongst the world leads him to cursing and denying that he even knew Jesus at all. You better guard. Where are you in this verse? Are you on that slippery slope? Confess your sin. Forsake your sin. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Drop the ungodly counsel. Get out of the way of sinners. What are you, a child of light, doing in the way of darkness? You are one slip away from being in the seat of the scornful. You're a child of God, but you're not acting like it right now. Get faithful again. Read your Bible again. Give again. Pray again. Serve again. Do right again. Live for God again. You know what's right. Do it. Do right till the stars fall. It's uphill, but every step you take towards him, he'll take a step toward you. Some of you are here wondering, you make that sound so easy. Why is it so hard for me to get off the slippery slope of sin. No matter what I do, even if I manage to take one step forward, I take two steps back. Why can't I get out of the valley of sin? There's a difference between a saved person on the slippery slope and a lost person on the slippery slope. A saved person has Jesus, which again begs the question, saved person, what are you doing on the slippery slope of sin when Jesus is your savior? 
A lost person doesn't have Jesus. And friend, there is no hope to get off the slippery slope of sin without Jesus. It's impossible. You can kick with good works, but down you slide. You can claw with charitable giving, but down you slide. You can grab onto religion, but it's not anchored to anything at the top. In fact, it weighs you down. No wonder sin keeps winning in your life. No wonder you're in places you never thought you'd be. You're trying to accomplish something that's impossible to do at your own. You know what you need? You need someone standing at the top of the hill. Someone who's never been dirtied by the slippery slope of sin. Somebody who would be loving enough and compassionate enough and merciful enough to pull you out. And I know of someone. His name is Jesus Christ. Nobody is more loving. Nobody is more compassionate. Nobody is more merciful. And the moment you call out to him, he will reach down and he will pull you out. And the Bible doesn't say, be baptized. The Bible doesn't say, make sure your good works outweigh your bad works. The Bible doesn't say, join such and such a church. It simply says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Won't you call on him today? And Christian, if you're on that slope, get off. When you're saved, God gives you a new pair of shoes. You got some traction. He throws you down a rope of faith. Maybe you don't realize, but you're hanging on to it. Grab, walk back up. Yeah, it's uphill. It's going to take some time. Walk back up. Draw nigh to him. He'll draw nigh to you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.